welcome to Harvest Birth Stories, where we support mamas pre, post, and during birth. My name is Sophie Grace, and I will be your host for this podcast. We want to share empowering birth stories across the United States and beyond, and encourage mothers all around the world to feel proud and empowered by any story that they may have experienced. Let's get into the podcast. Thank you for listening. just welcome you. This is JC. Um, I'll have you introduce yourself and a little bit about yourself and your business and who you have at home and break the silence of my like four month hiatus from doing birth stories. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead. Uh, I am JC McCaskill Coolish. I have three boys. My oldest is 16 and I have a 14 year old and a nine year old. We live in Moorhead, um, I've lived there now for longer than I lived anywhere else, which is always kind of fun to say. Um, <laughs> I am also a lactation consultant. I am an IBCLC, which stands for International Board Certified Lactation Consultant, um, which is the highest level of lactation support certification you can get. And I own Northern Prairie Lactation Services based in Moorhead, but I see clients in the Fargo-Moorhead and surrounding areas. She's the real shit. She's done all of it. <laughs> I have, yeah. I've worked as a doula before, too. I, yeah, I've done, I've done a lot. And you did, like, I feel like last time we talked, you were talking about how you were on um, La Leche, too. Yep, yep, yep. I am a La Leche League leader. I still am. Mm-hmm. It's a volunteer organization that helps families throughout the world with breastfeeding issues. Mm-hmm. Um, it's peer-to-peer, so mother-to-mother, parent-to-parent. You, It's free. It doesn't cost anybody anything. So if you're looking for support down the road, that's a really great organization to be involved in. Cool, cool. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about her births, but also your business at the end. <laughs> um, so let's kind of, I guess, jump into your first pregnancy um kind of tell us how that went and then we'll you know <laughs> dabble down the, the line <laughs> sure. yeah I know there's, there's a lot there yeah. yeah um well my 16 year old when I got pregnant with him it was he was he was a little premature he was about a year premature is what I like to say like, <laughs> not really a, an accident not a surprise but that was soaring too yeah, yeah yeah they're just you know <laughs> just came a little earlier than we expected <laughs> uh, <laughs> And we were pretty young. We had been married for about a year, and um, he was my first pregnancy. I didn't really have any idea what to expect, but I was very excited to be a mom. Um, But the one thing that I really thought about later was I spent a lot of time planning my wedding, but I didn't spend a lot of time learning about labor and delivery before Mm -hmm. I had him, and then learning about baby care and stuff afterwards before I had him. I had a couple ideas going in what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to breastfeed mostly because my mom told me it was really difficult and it's okay not to. <laughs> you just and wanted like, to prove her wrong. <laughs> I just wanted to prove my mother wrong because <laughs> we are the exact same person and we like to be right all the time. So um, I had to be righter than her. <laughs> um, but with the with the the labor and delivery, I ended up um, going with a midwife in the hospital and 
she had recommended an induction at 38 and a half weeks, like right around 39 weeks. And we went with it because we really didn't know. Was there a reason for it or was it just kind of like? Just to, to like, they kind of thought that he'd be a bigger baby. Oh. Yeah. Um, My least yeah. reason. Least yeah, favorite least, reason. Least medical reason <laughs> yeah. is for that. Which yeah. is funny when we get to my third. It's funny. Um, but yeah, they suspected he was a larger than average baby um, and all of that jazz. So technically it was a medical reason for an induction. And we went in, you know, I had, I don't even think I was dilating mm-hmm. yet. I, I, my water hadn't broken or any of that. Mm-hmm. Um, we went in that first night when they, or I think it was a night. Yeah. They told us to come in that first night and they were going to do, I think, Cytotec. Um, but they turned us away because they had so many people who had come in pre- previous to us. What, when, when's his birthday? October 25th of 2007. Yeah. See, that's a, it's a popular time. Cause it's right at, it's the nine months after new year's. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no, that's or, actually, it's like, it's Valentine's day. Well, Val- I think it's, well, I think it's like o- February. October yeah. is January. Yeah. And November is February. So yeah. they're both like hot months. <laughs> well, and I, I always thought that my date was wrong too, because I knew my cycle. I knew that I did not have 28 day cycles. Right. I was like, There's no way I am due in October. I always thought I was due further into November. Yeah. Um, well, you know, your, your yeah. body best. Yeah. Yeah. But we listened to what we were told. We do. We were the good little patient. You yep. are. And it's your first kid and too. The first we didn't know. We took a childbirth class and we, I actually really liked the childbirth class and it was through the hospital mm-hmm. um, with an RN who worked at the hospital. She's no longer there, but and I, it was very informative and she was very pro like going without pain relief doing what you want doing what you want she talked through the pros and cons of all of the things so we were relatively informed that way but we didn't have a whole lot of information on how to speak up for ourselves Mm -hmm. and if we didn't feel comfortable with a c-section how do we say no to someone who says well your baby is going to be big you might not be able to push him out if he gets much bigger kind of thing we just didn't know right and again we were we're young (laughs) I think I was 24 when he was born so I was pretty young yeah and so we went in for the the next morning um to try the induction again and they were able to take us that day so went in got everything all all hooked up and um got started with pitocin they didn't actually end up doing cytotec because I actually don't know why. <laughs> we don't know why. Unknown. Uh, yeah. I don't know why they didn't. They were going to do that for the overnight mm. and then not start Pitocin until the next day. Well, the next day they just ended up doing Pitocin because we weren't there overnight. So mm. I, I don't know. I don't know what ended up happening with that. But um, as it happens, you know, things didn't really progress. I got in the tub a few times. My labor kind of started. Uh, it would stall when I'd get in the tub the the they wanted to break my water eventually and i was really i was very hesitant to have my water broken because i knew that put me on a a 24-hour time limit right um but i i relented to that i said that was fine let's see if that gets things kick-started and i was doing pretty well i was in pretty good active labor um it just wasn't going fast enough for anybody but us yeah <laughs> plenty fast for me i was fine with it right um, especially if you consider i think they broke my water at about noon 
and then um, because around six or seven things still hadn't happened, they were they encouraged me to get an epidural. Now I wasn't really to the point where I was feeling a whole lot of pain yet. I I was it was painful by that time, but I um, d- didn't feel ready for the epidural. Yet. Right. But when they suggested it, they're like, well, maybe it'll help you relax, so it'll move things along a little bit further. It's like. Okay, fine. We'll do that. Which every once in a while it does. It does, yeah. Every but time. not all the time. Not all the time. So, <laughs> and <laughs> again, we'll talk about my third too, and yeah. it'll it'll surprise you. Um, but yeah, so did the epidural. I ended up getting the shakes. Yep. And getting cold. Yep. And I threw up several times. Mm. Um, they ended up having to put the IV in my arm, like three different places my hand in my forearm and then in my other arm before they could find a spot and they still weren't happy with it so i think the other guy the other when the anesthetist came in later he put it in a different spot even um yeah so i was poked a lot and that was causing a lot of shaking as well um and And it's so hard as your first too you have no idea it's like deer in headlights yep Mm -hmm. and at the same time i had family up there Mm-hmm. Um, friends were up there because they were. I mean, everybody's so excited. It was the first grandbaby for, <laughs> for my both. They're my all sitting and, and waiting. Everybody's sitting and waiting, and I am super well, like, aware of the fact that I have people sitting and waiting for something to happen. Mm-hmm. It doesn't help. It does not help at all. And I know that they didn't care that they were waiting. Right. But to me, I was like, oh, I'm making everybody wait. Everybody has to wait, and they're just waiting for me, and nothing's happening. So. There is that same added pressure, which now I know that I do encourage people to, you know, not have people wait the whole time. Or not tell them. Yeah, just don't tell anyone you're going in. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And yeah, so everybody's sitting there waiting and, oops, sorry. That's all right. (laughs) (laughs) Finally, uh, well, not finally, but I don't know what ended up happening, but right around about 11 o'clock in the evening. So let's keep this in mind. This is the same midwife I've been seeing the whole day. So 11 o'clock comes around and she's like, I just don't know what's happening, mm-hmm. how it's going. Um, I think we should consider doing a C-section. Mm. The timing was really weird to me mm-hmm. because it's not like he was having any D-cells. He wasn't, his heart rate was doing well. Baby's heart rate was doing well. I was doing fine. I didn't even get that they said they wanted to give me the epidural so that I could relax. And by the time I got the epidural, it had only been maybe 20 minutes when they started suggesting this, that I actually was able to relax. Mm. So I never actually got that like wind down period. Right. From the you didn't epidural. get to actually sleep. Or yeah. Rest. I didn't get to sleep, rest. No, I, I was thinking, you know, I'll get the epidural. I'll be able to sleep overnight. Maybe baby will be here in the morning. And it had only been, you know, 10 hours or yeah. so since I started or since they broke my water. Yeah. I was like, okay, I don't understand. But um, again, feeling that pressure from like knowing there's people waiting and my husband's there and he, I mean, he was a rock star through all of it too. He was brand new at all of this. He had no idea what to do. <laughs> so we talked about it and we said, okay, fine, let's do it. And as soon as you say, okay, like everything goes happens. so fast. Yeah. Everything happens. They're like, okay, let's do this. And then you're gowning up and telling the people waiting and my mom was in the gown too because she was going to be the one watching from outside the door and it's like okay we know the baby's coming so now we can actually giddy up and yeah. get out of here and so do how stuff. did you feel during all of that oh just all very rushed like just, very like forced yeah lots yeah. of force very unprepared to even 
fight for any of it mm. and if you know me personally <laughs> you know that I don't tend to hesitate away from like speaking up for myself but this was just such a new experience yeah Again, we were super young and it was it was one of those things yeah where you just you, you just, just you just did it yep you just do it yeah gosh so how did the c-section go for you then it was it was fine. It was good. It was fine. It was great. Yep. <laughs> and before on our birth plan, we had talked about how I'd rather my husband stay with me than go with the baby just because I want to be stitched up and you know, what happens if there's blood loss or something. So I'd want him with me. And while it was happening, I'm like, no, you need to go with the baby and I'll just stay here and I'll see you in recovery. Mm -hmm. um, but wheeling out of the OR after he was born. Well, actually that's a funny story too. We didn't know what we were having. It was mm. a surprise. And they're so not used to that, that when the baby came out, they didn't announce what he was. Yeah. So we're like, well, what is it? Is it a girl? Is it a boy? The anesthetist behind my head was like, oh, it's a boy. <laughs> okay. Thanks for telling us. <laughs> so yeah, the doctor didn't even tell us what we were having. Uh, <laughs> it is funny. I feel like most of the, like, I would say like, I don't know, 75% of people probably find out. Yeah. And it's like the other 25% don't. Yep. And they're, I feel like nowadays when you say you don't know what you're having, people get so excited. Oh, yeah. Like in, yeah. in labor and whatever, because yep. they're like, oh, normally we know. It'll be so fun for everybody. <laughs> but so, if you tell anyone else outside of the delivery room, they're like, oh, I could never do that. Right. I'd never do that. I'm such a planner. I'm like, well, so am I. I just... Like it just goes one of two clothes. ways. Like, yeah, there's not a whole lot of options yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, there's there's one or the other, and it doesn't really matter as a baby. Yeah, they can wear any color. Exactly, exactly. As I was being wheeled out of the the OR, the midwife was like, he was in there with his head tilted, so there's no way he was going to be coming out. Oh, is what what I was told. And his he had a lot of coning, a lot of molding to his head, and it was off center. So yeah, he was definitely asynclitic up there, but. Yeah, as mm. as I know now, what what I have in store for me, I know that he would have come out eventually. Eventually, yeah. like no baby goes unborn. No, no, baby. They, they come out eventually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they don't stay up there until they're eighteen. That's kind of what <laughs> happened um, with Soren. He was asynclitic, and he was like this, and that's oh. why my pushing stage was like so long, so long. But I mean, he came out. Yeah, he came out. Was his he did was his molding off center too? He had a big old bruise on the top of his head. Just yep. And that's what we were talking about with the Billy Rubin yeah, and John stuff. Yeah. Yep. So um, I guess we'll talk a little bit about your postpartum with the first and I guess breastfeeding and all that stuff and um, how it evolves into what you are, I guess, doing now. Yeah. I mean, I feel like you don't, people, they usually gain that passion after having their own children. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, um, again, had no idea what I was in for mm -hmm. initially before, you know, and when I was pregnant, I had no idea. Um, the recovery was difficult. Uh, we were in the hospital for something like five days because mm -hmm. it was a C-section and we, we got in there and then he wasn't born until just after midnight. So it was like, oh, you get an extra day of recovery right. and stuff, yeah. which was fine. With it's us. fine we when were, you have C-section. You're yeah. like, just wait on me. Yeah. Just give me all of the things. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need to be anywhere. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So he, uh, the plan was to breastfeed right away. Got him latched that first time uh, in recovery, in, in the postpartum recovery room or whatever it was. I'm pretty sure I moved after that even again, but um I do remember looking down at him and his eyes were going in all different directions. And I asked the nurse about it and she's like, oh yeah, that's super common. 
And ever since then, I've never seen another baby do the same thing with their eyes. So I don't know how common that really is. But thinking back now, it still scares me, like seeing his eyes go like. like that is weird. Yeah, yeah, super weird. And I've seen quite a few babies come Like the I've world. seen babies be like cross-eyed and kind of like yeah. maybe one over there and one up there, but yeah. not like no, go all over the place. all over the place. And yeah. I mean, is he fine now with his eyesight? Yeah, he's fine now. I mean, he wears glasses, but, but so do I. Everybody else. And, yeah, yeah. And so does everyone else. So, <laughs> um, But we got latched. We did that whole golden hour. But the golden hour at that point, it's 2 in the morning probably. And I still have four people waiting to see this baby. And so everything just felt rushed. Right. Not, like they did nothing wrong. The, the four people waiting right. were just so excited. Yeah. But I definitely felt that in my heart of hearts like I'm making these people wait I feel bad that they're out there um so they all came in and you know I think he maybe nursed on one side and not very well I'm sure he didn't latch very well it didn't <laughs> right. feel right all that jazz um first time for everybody right yeah first time for everybody exactly um everybody came in and met him and finally everybody left and we went to bed and it was you know that first night experience he did oh actually we did send him to the nursery yeah, they, had, they had of, those then. They did, yeah. <laughs> Actually, I don't know that they had a full-blown nursery like you would expect, but they did take him to the mm -hmm. the unit and, and watch him. And um, over time, I've gotten better with the fact that I let him do that, let them do that because I do know that babies do that big, long sleep. Yep, right away. Right away. Now, he was gone, I think, for five hours. So in my head, there's I know there's a possibility they supplemented him while he was away from me even though he was breastfeeding um, mm -hmm. and that's what I wanted. But I don't know. And I've never looked because it's just a question that if it gets answered, it's not going to change anything. Right. Right. 16 now. Yeah. He's 16 now. He's <laughs> smart little sassy kid. Who, it doesn't matter anymore. But yeah, I, I did let him do that. And it, after that, like with my other two, I never did that. I mm -hmm. did not want them out of the room with me, but he did. And I, so I actually got to sleep that night, which was nice. It, nice to be able to get a little sleep after dealing with that for 14 hours or so um but we didn't end up successfully really breastfeeding in the hospital very well mm -hmm. he was latching and i was doing what they told me to do i was writing it down he would latch he would eat but by about day two and a half i was cracked and i was bleeding mm. my nipples were so sore and i just didn't know what i was doing wrong and I had asked for lactation to come in, but because of the baby boom that they were having at that time, I think it was four days. It was on the fourth day, just before we were getting ready to go before she finally came in. And unfortunately it didn't really help me all that much. Right. Um, I actually don't even remember what she said, but when, when it's bedside care like that, it's never a full visit. She was mm -hmm. only in there for maybe 10 minutes. What would you say, um, just because like that birth was 16 years ago, what is the lactation care different from then as it is now? I honestly, I really don't you know. You don't know? Yeah. I don't know. I do know locally here in the baby friendly hospital, they are like required to actually yeah. schedule stuff. They, yeah. Like I feel like when I had Soren, they came at least a couple times a day. Yeah. No, just once. And that was with all three of my kids. I saw lactation mm -hmm. one time. Mm. Um, so I, I don't, I don't know. I like with the baby friendly hospital, they actually schedule outpatient stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, with the other one, it's not usually outpatient unless mm. you specifically ask, ask for, for it. it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 
So, and I had no idea you could even do an outpatient visit with mm-hmm. lactation, not mm-hmm. a clue. And this was 16 years ago. My insurance was fabulous. We didn't pay out of pocket for this birth at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> $0 out of pocket for this birth. Um, so I could have probably gotten a, an out of pocket or an out, uh, out of, or a outpatient, there we go, an outpatient visit right. covered by insurance 100%. Right. But I never, I didn't even know how or that it was an option. Mm-hmm. And I was doing their cafe, their, it, oh, yeah. I'm not going to name it. Everyone knows what hospital I'm talking about, but I'm not going to say it out loud. <laughs> I was doing their, their breastfeeding cafe. Um, and I, again, they had a baby boom. So every time I'd go in, it'd be 10 moms, 15 moms, so many babies. So it was legitimately just a latch check, transfer check, weight gain stuff. Um, but they couldn't really offer any help. It was never no, not a lot of like long-term one-on-one because yeah, no. they couldn't. No. And they never actually did identify later on down the road. Some of the issues that I was having were related to oversupply. Mm. They, so I figured out latching all on my own got like I, after I bled for weeks, I toe curled mm. my for weeks. The only, it makes my toes curl I just know, thinking right? about it. The only reason I did that was because my mother said it was difficult. <laughs> and you're like, well, I thanks, know, mom. mom. <laughs> I know it's difficult, but I'm going to do it. Right. <laughs> they, yeah, the the one-on-one help did not, never really came up. They, mm-hmm. they When I went in there, they were never able to identify really what was happening or anything. And, I feel like you got to have like a stubborn mentality, though, t- when you're in those situations because, yeah. like, I was the same way. I was like, I'm going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Even though this sucks and it hurts and I don't know what I'm doing, I'm going to do it. It makes my eyes water every time I latch the baby, but it's going to happen. Yeah, it's going to yeah. work. Yeah. And I was really fortunate he didn't lose weight. I don't even remember them weighing him before we were uh, released from the hospital, like other than his birth weight, but they must have. Yeah, but they never told us what it Irrelevant. was or whether it was, it was, yeah. yeah, if it was an issue. And I know that he did lose a little bit of weight, but nothing that was ever concerning, which I guess, okay, I don't know how. We ended up right. calling on the second night, if if you're aware of the second nights. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we second, know second night. Yeah, those second nights are really tough. We had someone come in and she was, and it was just one of the nurses on, on duty and came in and helped us. Um, just a little bit, but she didn't really seem like she wanted it either. <laughs> I feel, you know, there's, you can kind of pick up on those things. She was helpful. And there's so. a lot of things that you pick up on after the fact. Yeah. Like when you look back, you know, even six months after a birth and you look back and you're like, mm, yeah, don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In the moment, you're like, it's fine. It's fine. Afterwards, <laughs> you're like, it's not fine. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I do a good job of looking back now and thinking these people, and they're all women, these women, these nurses, it was a once in a lifetime opportunity or like situation for me, for them, it's something they see every day. So yep. I do have to understand why they're not feeling the same way about what I've done. Right. Which makes sense. But right. still, it was like, eh, you could have probably been a little nicer. Right. It. <laughs> right. They're probably like, we've had so many babies. You're just another one on the chart. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> yep. Just another one who can't feed their baby and figure out why their baby's crying. Isn't okay. it so unfortunate though? I, I tell, you know, and I'm a doula and I, I started in the birth world with doulaing and birth and whatnot, but I still tell friends and family, like for as much as you, you know, research birth, research breastfeeding 10 times more. 
Yeah. Because you're going to do it for a lot longer. Versus, you know, hopefully one day <laughs> of <Yeah>. your life. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, not all the time. Sometimes it's two or three. Um, but breastfeeding is such a longer journey. Yeah. yeah. And if you have more than one, then that journey just compounds. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how long did your nursing journey go for him then? Or when did it get better? <laughs> it, well, with him, I started, I actually went to a Lilith League meeting at about eight weeks. Mm -hmm. And while they weren't able to identify the fact that I was having oversupply issues with him and I had everything, he had green stool, he was eating every 40 minutes, short amounts of time, just constantly on the breast. Like they didn't identify that, but just going to Lilith League and having someone to talk to and and see other parents going through the same thing mm -hmm. was kind of a turning point. Right. Um, and I went back to work at eight weeks as well, which was rough, but um, it, it did start getting a little bit better then. But then we had to go to, I mean, he went to daycare. And at that point, we didn't know a lot about bottles and pumping and, and all the things. Yeah, I was pumping just fine. I was pumping probably 16 ounces a day but they were feeding him about 20 to 24 ounces in that eight hour period, which if you know anything about a baby, that's about what that's they a eat lot in one day. All day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he didn't nurse for me. He slept through the night at eight weeks, didn't nurse. And so then I was almost practically pumping full time just yeah. because I had to, in order to make up for the milk that he's eating. That's funny. Day. We were just talking about like pace feeding and stuff before this. Yeah. 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 Yep. We did not know about pace. So everybody then. pace feed your babies. Yes, please. <laughs> And I actually, I really like to call it responsive feed with a yeah. bottle. So like, yeah. And if you need any information on that, I can sure help with that. Yep. Yep. Reach out. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but it did start getting better. Um, I ended up leaving my job at six months to be a stay-at-home mom with him. And he nursed until he was about 19 months. Lovely. And yeah. yeah. He, he started, he actually stopped sleeping through the night around five months, which that sleep regression is, yeah. is real. Yeah. Um, and but then he started sleeping through the night again, right around 16 months. And that's about when we decided to have another one and got pregnant with my next yeah, one. Yeah, so let's jump yep. into, I guess, <laughs> I wanna ask you first, sure. um, going into your next pregnancy, what did your brain kind of, or what did you think you wanted for this birth in comparison to your first one? I wanted everything different. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. My goal was a VBAC, vaginal mm -hmm. birth after cesarean. Um, I was planning on, I actually was planning on delivering with a different hospital altogether, but I was also open to the idea of home birth, except I knew that the risks, there were risks involved mm -hmm. with the VBAC. And so I was trying to find um, a home birth midwife who could be home with me, just monitoring things until I decided to go to the hospital. Um, so I, I planned for that. I hired That's a, a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's actually, she called it being a monitrice, M-O-N-I-T-R-I-C-E. And I've never really seen anything else like that. I haven't either, except for I have one friend who was pregnant last year and she has really fast births. And so she did a lot of her like prenatal care with a home birth mm -hmm. midwife still planning in the hospital but just in case, just in case yeah. she knew a home birth midwife because she lived like an hour and a half from the hospital oh. and she had like three or four hour labors wow yeah, yeah. but that is kind of cool yeah to like yeah. have like that home uh labor mm -hmm. but then still the option if you want to mm -hmm. go in yeah because i knew that when i'd go into labor i did not want to go right away mm -hmm. into the hospital because i knew as soon as i went in the hospital that it would be 
a time. Mm -hmm. I'd have a time limit put on me. Um, and so my plan was to stay home for as long as possible. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I did, um, I did hire doula as well. Mm -hmm. And, um, we didn't do any other birth classes or anything, but I read a lot of books, a lot of flouncy, flouncy, <laughs> hippie birth Love books. It. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> my husband calls it the hippie titty committee. So like accurate. We should just um, like make a group called that right for fargo i know hippie titty committee yeah i should have called it that when i because i made like a facebook group for my clients and stuff i should have called it that you i don't should. know what i was thinking yeah i mean some people don't see the same humor in it missed I opportunity yeah, I know, right? <laughs> right. Missed opportunity. <laughs> but um yeah we we did a little bit more planning this time around and and kind of and i ended up switching ob um, at like 36 weeks. No, I actually interviewed a, a couple OBs and one of the OBs I was seeing, it was fairly early on. It was in like maybe my 16th week. Um, we were waiting in the, the, the waiting, not even in the waiting room. We were in the room waiting for her to come in and it took her 45 minutes to even come in because she was doing a C-section. And I was like, that's just not the vibe <laughs> I'm going for. Like, I knew she would do V-backs, but like just that just rang some bells when I was right. like, no, I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so I switched from even from one hospital system to another hospital system to go with another V-back friendly OB that was there. But with her too, towards the end there, she she definitely started changing her her feelings about how whether or not to let me let me have a have a let you like it's yeah, like it's to, your yeah. choice or yeah. not right right like she has any say in it and um i can't remember which visit it was but i think it was 38 weeks where i didn't let her check me my cervix mm -hmm. like you're, you're 38 weeks i need to i'm like no i'm not taking my clothes off for right. this visit no <laughs> like they're you're just gonna it's just gonna tell me nothing and make me disappointed and like it no and plus because the last time she had checked me, I think it was for my 36 week visit and she was doing the group B strep. Um, while she was down there, she's like, I'm just going to mix things up a little bit. Mm. Yeah. So she stripped my membranes at 36 weeks without, without asking. my permission. Yep. Yeah. I hate yep. That. Definitely did that. So I didn't let her touch me again. And um, I can't remember. I ended up canceling the next appointment I had with her because my water had broken. Mm. On Black Friday of all days. Of all days. Of all days. Yeah. Hopefully it was not black water. <laughs> it was not black water. And it was more of a trickle. Oh, good. More of a trickle. Just a um, leak. Just a leak. Yeah. <laughs> it was like three in the morning. Nothing really started. Mm -hmm. And I was, I was like, I'm not going in. I'm going to let my midwife know and I'm going to let my doula know, but I'm not going in. Uh, and nothing really happened that day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was a long, long day. I ended up going shopping at Target with my water broken. That was fun. Um, and then things started picking up that night a little bit mm -hmm. to the point where I had my doula come and I had my midwife there and it was, it would pick up. It, it was relatively painful. It came on pretty quick. Um, but then right around four in the morning, it just kind of stopped. Everything stopped. So frustrating. Yeah. 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 So I was able <laughs> to go to sleep a little bit. So I slept well, I a little. I guess that's yeah. kind of nice, but it's always just like, come on, <clears throat> let's get this over with. Yeah. Right. I was, like, <laughs> I was expecting to have a baby in my arms by this time. 
And I know when you have a VBAC that it's more like your first delivery. Yeah. Like your baby's going to take longer to get there. I knew that going into it. I wasn't expecting to wake up at eight the next morning and have absolutely no contractions. Mm. Nothing happening. The whole day. The whole day. So my doula went home. My midwife went home. Mm. We went about our day. Went to Target again? No, I didn't go to Target. <laughs> I definitely walked around the neighborhood. Yeah. It was cold. I remember it being really cold. And I think the moon was pretty, not full, but pretty close to full. So it was kind of nice. Of course you'd remember that. I know, right? Yeah. Right? It was kind of nice walking around the neighborhood that night. But again, right around 9 o'clock, things started picking up again. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is it. Got to be it. What else could it be? Called the doula back. Called the midwife back. Went through the night. Four o'clock comes around. No! Completely stops. No! Again, completely stops. <sighs> and it was it was to the point where it was really, really, I mean, it was painful. Intense. And I was having, yeah, very intense back labor. And I could only get relief by stand, standing straight up while I was having a contraction. It was literally neosaurin. What? Yeah. That, that asynclitic baby. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. I don't, I still don't know why, like the straight up and down and then the hip pressure. And stuff. I literally don't think I sat down like yeah. for, yeah. yeah. Getting standing in a, a water bath yeah. did not even sound fun because I'd have to sit. Yeah. Yeah. I just had to be standing. Well, uh-huh. I'm glad I'm not the only one that's happened to because I was wondering if that was like a structural issue or something that I have. But, no, no. It's yep. very common. Definitely couldn't stay, could only stand, lean against the door frame. Mm-hmm. So again, Sunday this this is sunday by now sunday morning wake up <laughs> still just uh the my doula was still there and she was not planning on leaving to this day and i felt so bad for her because she was 12 weeks pregnant and she was not feeling the greatest mm. either and my midwife stayed as well didn't go home we watched the vikings football game i watched the vikings football game we watched all of lord of the rings in this time um, and then they started watching the, there's a Vin Diesel series that they were watching. Chronicles of Riddick? Never heard of it. Yeah, well, you're young. Um, I'm not that young. I'm almost 30. Oh, okay. All right. All right. <laughs> I'll be 30 this year. Well, that's why you haven't heard of it, though, because yeah. when this came out, it was probably, you were probably about 12. <laughs> it's, it's, it was an older movie then, not super old, but like late 90s, maybe. I, I so about that. going through, you know, like days of your water breaking, did you tell anybody um yeah like did your mid like your midwife knew well like the one that was there yeah yeah but the hospital not the hospital i never let anyone know at the hospital and i canceled my appointment because the water had broken Uh, yeah i didn't i didn't let anyone because you didn't want to be like forced i didn't want to be i didn't want to have any numbers put on me Mm -hmm. as far as um just timelines and deadlines and stuff and looking back i wouldn't have done that again because Mm -hmm. i do realize that there's a lot of danger in that for both me and for the baby. There is risks, but I mean, you have to always research and like, it's weird because other countries too, they'll have like a three day water breaking policy versus like some countries are 12 hours and some states are 24, you know what I mean? Like it's just, it's different everywhere. Arbitrary, yeah. It's different everywhere. Yeah. And I do feel like I did my due diligence. We were watching my fever. We were watching my blood pressure at home. Um, I didn't have a fever. We were watching my temperature and stuff. So we were watching all of that, mm-hmm. watching to make sure it stayed clear. Um, in the end, what I think it ended up being was more of a high tear than mm-hmm. anything because I did not have like a gush. A gush. 
and it was just constantly leaking. Just like a little bit. Oh yeah, just a little bit. And it was bit probably regenerating leaking. as exactly, you're leaking. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> probably. Because if people don't know that, your water does regenerate. It does. Yeah. I mean, it's not like the baby sits in nine-month-old water the whole time. Right. No. <laughs> yep. yep. Um, I don't remember. Luckily, I don't remember them watching Chronicles of Riddick because by that time things were picking up again in that evening. And you're like, okay. I'm like, this has got to be it. It's got to be because it started a little bit earlier. Mm -hmm. um, I remember my in-laws dropped off Thanksgiving dinner because we were going to do Thanksgiving dinner with them that weekend, which obviously didn't end up happening, but they dropped it off. So we had that for lunch. Um, and then later on, I can't remember ever eating dinner that night. I know I did make a terrible decision and ate a slice of pizza. Which uh, I, I was going to say, you're going to say pizza. I know. Uh -huh. I I'm like, pizza is always the worst option. It's, it's the worst to throw <laughs> up. It's horrible. It is. Pizza or spaghetti. Yes. Don't oh. eat tomato sauce before no. going into labor. No red sauces. And unless you want <laughs> spaghetti noodles coming out your nose, don't eat those. Yeah. Orange juice is a surprisingly good thing to actually throw up. I feel like it's painful. Oh, well, maybe it's just depends on how long it's been digesting. Yeah. 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 This is a good sidebar for us to have. Yeah. I what, hope everybody what's ideal for peanut butter uh, and jelly sandwiches? Let's do like just saltine crackers and blue Powerade <laughs> and maybe some hash browns. I used to throw those up often. And call it. Oh gosh! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that doesn't sound very good. <laughs> Comes very... out easily though. Okay, okay, good. All does right. does. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> anyway. So you yes. think it's happening again? I think it's happening. We get the. I mean, well, I started making the noises, mm -hmm. and doulas know the noises that you're listening for. I started making those noises, and we got the the tub set up in the living room, and um, we were just kind of hanging out and things started happening. And, and that, that night was definitely the hardest night um, because, and I was in the tub and I was falling asleep between contractions because I was just so tired. Mm -hmm. So, so tired. It was the most tired I've ever been in my life. Keep talking. Um, I'm going to turn off the air. So oh, it's loud as heck, but it, you're still recording. So yeah, it's still recording. Going. Okay. So super, super tired, falling asleep between, and it's hours. They're changing out water. So it's still warm. Um, and finally, it's maybe 4.30, and I just, I'm done. I can't do it anymore. And I, I tell my husband that I, that I need, I want to go to the hospital. Mm -hmm. He's like, no, we can, and I'm like, no, you don't understand. I'm starting to get scared mm -hmm. from the pain. Because every time I have a contraction, I have to get up, get on my knees, and like, it doesn't, it's just so so much pain that I, I can't, I can't do it through the pain anymore because I'm just too tired. Mm -hmm. And I know that by saying this, I'm going to go in and I'm basically going to get wheeled back for a C-section. I knew what the result was going to be. And so I convinced him, my doula and my midwife were both, they both knew. They're like, yeah, you want to go in. Oh, I didn't mention though. We had decided we were going to try to stay home. Okay. Like, over the weekend. It's like, yeah, she's got everything here. I'm comfortable here. Let's stay home. But at 4.30... Then, then you changed your then mind. I changed my mind because <laughs> I'm allowed to do that. You are. And I think a lot of that, there was still a lot of that fear um, just with the positioning and stuff and, you know, feeling like I knew this baby was a little bit bigger than my first and um, I knew that I needed help and I knew mm -hmm. that I wasn't going to be able to do it at home. And so we got ready to go. Um, Got a, I, I called the hospital to let them know that I actually, I think I dialed, I don't think I dialed 911. I, <laughs> I might have. I might have called 911 because I'm like, we are on our way to the hospital. We, it's 
four or it's five in the morning, you know, it's not, there's not a lot of traffic, but I just want to like let anyone know who might be following us if they see a car right. driving slightly erratically and someone crawled over the back of the, the front seat. Like it's just someone in labor. She's like, well, you need to slow down because you're not going to have the baby in the car. And I'm like, I don't think you know what I'm doing. So let me go. Uh, we made it to the hospital, made it up. Um, the when we this was uh, we we wheeled in because I was in a wheelchair because I could not walk that distance. They, we, he wheeled me up to the the triage or whatever the desk in the maternity spot, and I saw the two nurses there roll their eyes at me. And they're like, are you in labor? <laughs> yes. Okay, you're going to need to fill out some forms. And I rolled my eyes back at them and I'm like, okay, but you're going to need to get a mop. Oh, is your water broken? Yes, and it's all over the floor now. So congratulations, have fun cleaning mm. that up. Then they started getting up and moving their butts and getting me into a room. And It's so frustrating. It's so frustrating. Of course, you get in the room, and the first thing they want you to do is take all your clothes off, put the stupid belt on, which the idea of having someone constricting, something constricting my stomach at that time was just, I couldn't I couldn't bear the thought. Yeah. I did. I got it on there, but yeah. Then the, the, the RN who was in there was um, insistent that she had to get me an IV in. I was like, okay, you're going to have to do it really fast because I cannot stay in the same position for right. very long because it hurts that Like, you've got a minute. <laughs> yeah, you've got about a minute to do it. Um, and by that time, I'm in transition. And I can recognize that I'm mm -hmm. in transition. Um, and that was one of the things that the midwife had said, you're, you're, um, you're dilating, but you have a lip that we have to get around. And so... Yeah, those my lips, child. Those darn babies that are big and asynclitic. Like Soren wasn't that big, but he was asynclitic. Oh well, this yeah. guy, he was bigger than my first. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the the OB came in, said, "Yes, you're at a ten now, so now you can push." And I was like, "Wait, no, I'm supposed to be going for a C-section because <laughs> I'm a VBAC. Like, <laughs> right? But they like, no, you're a ten. There's just push. You'll just yeah. push the baby out." Like, I've been, I, this is, I, I can't, I can't, because I'm too tired. <laughs> like, no, you have to do this. And I was like, okay. So, of course, I'm in the dead beetle position with my legs up. and <laughs> The dead beetle the, position. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard anybody call it that. Really? The, the dead bottomy position? The dead beetle I'm position. I'm a doula, and I just usually say, on your back. It's yeah. just always the on your back position, not yeah. dead beetle. I the, love that. Yeah, right? Now you're going to call it the dead beetle. I am. Maybe not to your client. No, I am. <laughs> well, maybe a live beetle. <laughs> a live upside down beetle. A laying a beetle. <laughs> Legs in the air. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what we called it. Um, and I was pushing and I think there was a mirror, but I don't remember looking at it because I couldn't, I just couldn't see anything. I was just, there was just so much going on. As you well, and you're in so much and pain yeah, so too. much pain and I've got they're pulling my legs up and I just I was very very tired so I finally said I, I cannot do this on my own can I consent to using to having a vacuum used hmm. or they might have offered it but I did consent to it um now when I consented to it I did not realize that that consented me to having an episiotomy done with no painkiller and the baby not on my perineum yet so when I like she the the OB was in there, she cut cut the episiotomy when I wasn't expecting it. Um, I screamed like, well, yeah, yeah, screamed like Wesley in the Pit of Despair in the Princess Bride. 
If you don't know that movie, you should probably watch it. But other people will know it. I feel like I have watched The yeah. Princess Bride, but yeah, there's, there's now I'm just thinking about your your perineum. So yeah, yeah, that, that was awesome. Yeah, baby was not not even pushing any pressure on it. And how old is this child? Fourteen. No, Fourteen. Fourteen. Okay. Yeah. Yep. I say I feel like episiotomies are more common. They were that yeah, time frame. Really... It's not as common anymore. No, that's good. That's mm-hmm. very good. Yeah. Yep. And she got the vacuum on. And I want to say that possibly it came off one time. Mm-hmm. Which they now, if it comes off, it's right back for a C-section. They don't let oh, you. Oh, really? I, generally. Okay. But she put it back on. She put her foot up. I swear, she put her foot up on the bed and pulled the baby out like he was a, like she was starting a chainsaw. And you felt this? Oh, all of it, because I didn't have an epidural. That's all. JC, a round of applause. Or, <laughs> or any of it? Yes. Yeah. Oh. Yep. So that was my second. Luckily, lovely. I know, right? Breastfeeding with him went much better. <laughs> okay, what period of your life did you decide to do IBCLC? That actually was more recent. Okay, I'm trying to just like put together your life timeline <laughs> yeah. in my head right now. Yeah. Well, I started working towards being a La Leche League leader when my oldest okay. was like right around the time that I conceived my second baby. Okay. So right around the time he was eight, So by this months. postpartum, you knew a lot more. I knew a lot more. Not Well, I knew more. I didn't know a ton more, but I did know more. Okay. And... Um, this baby also didn't have the oral restrictions that my mm-hmm. oldest did either. Mm-hmm. My oral, my oldest has some, some tongue uh, stuff in there. Stuff, that, yeah, stuff that needs to be taken care of. <laughs> um, but yeah, my my middle kid, he was the most easygoing baby. We actually ended up well. We were gonna leave a little bit earlier from the hospital, but we ended up staying thirty six hours because he wouldn't pee. <laughs> Like, like, so he's always kind of had a stubborn streak. <laughs> but other than that, yeah, his, well, and I have a thing called Gilbert syndrome, which just causes a slightly elevated billy level mm. all the time. I always have it. Well, especially if I'm really like watching what I eat, then my eyes will turn yellow really quickly. Mm. Um, and it, there's, there's no, like, it's just a pat, like pathologic thing. There's nothing wrong that needs to be fixed it's just something that happens and in my head that makes my babies have elevated jaundice levels mm-hmm. too with my first it wasn't an issue he had breast milk jaundice for weeks so he was yellow until he was six or seven weeks old mm-hmm. with my second it did cause jaundice issues in the hospital and because we were leaving so early we had to go back in for checks that was the biggest issue yeah with him was just having to go back in for checks and again he was yellow for weeks mm-hmm. um <clears throat> he nursed for a very very long time um he was over three when he finally weaned uh, i don't think that he remembers nursing but he was definitely and we just kind of nursed until he was ready to mm-hmm. be done until i was ready to be done it was really natural i don't actually remember the last time he nursed because it just kind of happened and it just happened, happened and then it didn't yeah. happen again no nope. and it worked for me because i was a stay-at-home mom yeah I didn't have a lot of time, demands on my time other than my sparkler firstborn who is, I mean, he still is, but. How was your, um, your healing versus your C-section with this one? It was a lot better. I did end up with stitches because wow. of the episiotomy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but it was a lot better. I could, um, 
I could sneeze and cough without too much mm-hmm. pain versus a C-section. You kind of have, you feel like if you don't hold your midsection, yep. you feel like you're going to be going to pop cough. out. <laughs> yep. Something's going to come out. And yeah, it was a lot, a lot better. Mm. And I'm sure, well, I'm sure that that also contributed to some of the breastfeeding, like non yeah. issues that I had. Because yeah. I was able to more comfortably get into position. Yeah. I always just feel like C-section moms, it just has to be so hard mm-hmm. for their just abdominal area yep. and breastfeeding because it's so sensitive. Yeah. Yeah. You need a lot of support. Yeah. Um, and the football hold is great for C-section mm-hmm. moms. I actually really like the football hold for C-section moms and any moms with larger breasts. But I encourage the football hold to be more of an upright position versus a horizontal mm. position. That one is really helpful for some of those moms who have a lot of pain, even just with a vaginal delivery. I have one big boob, so I did it a lot on that one. <laughs> <laughs> was, that, was that your overproducer and then your other one was like your... It actually was, but it's... Well, let me think. Yeah, it was, but it's it was weird because this my my right was smaller but he it it leaked oh where but it produced like half right it was so weird and then the big one produced like double and it did not ever leak not once that's funny like i could shoot this one across the room yeah anyway anyone who's breastfed has tried to do that oh for sure sprayed my friends all the time yeah you gotta see how far it goes yeah (laughs) Yeah. okay so let's We'll just jump into your next yep, one. Let's do it. Tell me how long between yep. they were and what you were preparing for this child. All right. So with my <laughs> third, there's four years between. Um, we almost weren't going to have any more. And then we were like, well, maybe. Um, so I had lost a bit of weight after my first two. So I was in really good shape compared to what I was before um, my, my last two. And... I knew going into it that I wanted to do a VBAC with a family practice doctor. I wanted to plan to be in the hospital. I wasn't trying for a home birth this time. Mm-hmm. I was planning a doula. <clears throat> um, we had the two bigger kids, so we had you know to figure out childcare this mm-hmm. time for two kids, which is not as easy. Um, but I was I knew a whole lot more about birth and breastfeeding by this time because I had done it twice and. Um, I, I knew, I knew what I was doing and kind of knew what I was going into. So I acknowledged very, very early on that if it started feeling like it did with Graham, my second, I was going to go for an epidural mm-hmm. and I went in planning to get an epidural, mm-hmm. um, which a lot of people are like, they get, they, they're surprised by that because I did, you know, I'm, home. I'm not surprised because you've had a lot of birth trauma yeah. with your first two. Yeah. And a lot of times the epidural is a great tool for people who don't want to feel that pain again. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, what it came down to was I knew if I was going to start, if I felt that pain again, I can handle pain pretty well, but it just causes me to get so scared and out of control and feeling. out of control feeling. Yep. So I went in planning that. Mm-hmm. And as things were, you know, I was a little bit older. I passed my gestational diabetes exam, the second one, but I failed the first one. But I was really, really close. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that I did not know and did not consider was I should have been watching my sugar intake to prepare, like to try to prevent having a larger baby. Yeah, how big were your first? Two? I don't first, think you ever said I that. I never did. No, my first was eight six. 
Okay. My second was nine four. So first, I say I'd say it's like bigger average. Bigger average. Sef second is like pretty big, but still. Average. He was born at forty one weeks too. Okay. Which, which is, is important. Right. You know? Yeah. He was. He cooked so a little he longer. So he was. He was full. Yeah. He was fully developed. Yeah. That <laughs> might have been what. My, what my. You know, because they say like a half a pound a week yep. or something in the winter. Yep. Um, still, so still normal. Still normal. Not outrageous. Not outrageous. No. Yeah. Didn't look outrageous. Didn't look mm -mm. swollen or anything. Well, he didn't have any IV fluids in him. He didn't <laughs> look swollen. But with my third, I started, uh, I was huge, huge. And I was very uncomfortable. I had pubic symbiosis mm -hmm. or whatever. The, both, actually all three. Pubic times. symphysis. Symphysis, yeah. Whatever. It, I like, like SPD or something. something. Yeah, SPD, yeah. Um, but it started earlier and earlier with each baby even with the extra time between my second and third which is there there's about four years before mm -hmm. between pregnant or Births. him being born and me getting pregnant mm -hmm. so uh, there was a little bit more time and i gave myself time to recover and i was working out and stuff but i was getting so big and i couldn't i could barely move yeah <laughs> it seemed like i couldn't stand i couldn't walk everything hurt and i was older too but you had two I'm kids to chase around yeah yeah and I always say, like, there's a difference between being pregnant in your 20s versus being pregnant in your 30s. There's a huge difference. Don't don't make me. I'm scared. sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, it just your body is that much older. Right. Like, I don't know. There, there was a huge difference for me, especially. Um, and then the worry started as as I got up there. Now he was due in September, the mm -hmm. early part of September, and it was a hot summer. Um, so everything's miserable. We are yeah. miserable. You're we miserable. moved in June. Luckily, we moved to a house with central air. Before that, we didn't have that. <laughs> um, but just every, it was just miserable. And then, like, the big baby issue started coming mm -hmm. up. I was measuring huge. I felt bigger than I had with either of the other two. Um, and I trusted my care provider. Mm -hmm. And I still do. I still, I would deliver with her again in a mm -hmm. heartbeat. Um, we talked about, she only said one time, one thing to me, she said, you know, you could still decide just to do a C-section if you like felt scared. And I don't think that was her feeling any sort of way. I think she was looking at me and seeing how I was right. Just giving you options and, and making sure I knew my options. And I'm like, yes, I know that's not what I want though. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about doing this. Um, but being family practice, she has to have, well, we went under the radar a little bit because by this time, neither of the hospitals were allowing family practice doctors to do VBACs. Um, they had just kind of changed it over. And so she was working with some of the OBs just to make sure that we were on the up and up. Um, and we decided to schedule an induction and we scheduled it with a VBAC friendly OB mm -hmm. just to make sure. Um, and I also knew what my, what a Bishop score was by that time. Mm. And I knew going into it, I'm only 38 weeks and a few days, but I knew going into it that my cervix was ripening. It was, it was starting to open. Baby was really low. My Bishop score was at like 12 mm -hmm. or something. And I can't remember what the numbers are anymore, but it was, it was up there to show that an induction was probably going to be successful. successful. Yeah. And result in a successful vaginal delivery and so we scheduled the this the um the induction and i went in with my husband and then my doula joined us later but they there was kind of a mix-up and they actually put me on pitocin for mm -hmm. like an hour but when you're a v-back 
they had a policy, no Pitocin. Um, so that started contractions right away. And then <laughs> your body's like, oh, oh yeah, this is what we're going to do. Yeah. Then. Okay, let's do it. Um, but then when they told me that I had to come off the Pitocin, I was a little worried. I was like, but it's working. Like, right. Things are happening. And it's been seven years since my C-section. Like, I'm not super worried about it. Just keep it real low. Like don't mm-hmm. bump it up every half an hour like you're not supposed to do. Um, but they, they're like, no, we have to do, we, we, we have to take you off this. And the only option we have is to break your water. And that's just everything crashed down. I was like, I don't, I don't want that. So my doctor actually came in and she was the one telling me this. She's like, I'm not going to put you on a time limit mm-hmm. with your water broken. We will watch your temperature, watch the baby. We're going to watch all of the things and your water breaking is not going to like elevate those possibilities. Like as long as you're doing well, you can, you can have your water broken for longer mm-hmm. than 24 hours. And I believed her. And I still believe her. I still think she would have fought for me tooth and nail. Um, so I, I consented to have my water broken. And um, if this is not something you've ever been through, and I've done it twice with having my water broken, it is about the most disgusting thing. <laughs> I had mine broken yeah, too. Like, and you're laying flat on your back and there's nothing plugging that hole. Once that water's broken, you're just, it just feels like you're in this lukewarm pile of pee. Or something. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> I love birth. I love delivery. I've watched many babies being born, but that water breaking is just the worst part. Of it. That's I mean, so funny. I've never heard anybody hate it oh, before. And I don't know if it's because it doesn't, it's not painful. No, it's not painful at no. all. It's just like, well, when you're in a done. plastic bed and yeah. you're like on your back, it just pools around your yeah. body. I just, yeah, ugh, just hated it. So weird, so unnerving, <laughs> but it worked. It got my uh, my contractions started it right back up again. I was progressing and doing really well, and things were going well. Things I kept kept dilating and stuff. And um, after a few hours, uh, I the pain it was increasing and increasing and increasing. And we had been trying some. Uh, we actually did the uh, what was it called? I want to say it's the Webster technique, but no, it's not. It's just spinning babies. Spinning babies, yeah. But I can't remember what the actual move was called, just because I knew the baby was big and my pelvis tends to, I don't know, hold on to babies for whatever reason. And I have asynclitic babies all the time. So we did this technique a couple times and that really helped move them down. Um, It wasn't instantaneous like some people will report, which was kind of sad. (laughs) I was hoping that would just make like the biggest difference ever, but it didn't. Um, and a few hours later, it was probably about seven or eight when I started feeling that hip pain and just getting really panicky. Mm-hmm. And I, that's when I said, it's time. I need an epidural now. Uh, I was probably like, well, the doctor, she's like, I'm pretty sure you're, you're in transition right now. I bet if I check you, you're going to be like nine. And I'm like, you can check me. I'm guessing I'm not though. Mm-hmm. And she did. She's like, yep, yeah, you're like a six, seven. There's still a few hours. I was like, yes, please get me the epidural because I can feel the, the fear coming on. Right. And I got the epidural. I was able to lay down with a peanut ball. Um, the, it's also great for asynclitic babies. Which is also great. Yep. yep <laughs> exactly. There were some D cells and some worries there, but they were able to flip me around. And um, starting at about, I want to say it was 11, 15 or so. I was really, really tired by this time, but I was ready to push. 
and the doctor wanted me to push. The OB wanted me to push. They didn't want me to, to delay it for too long. I was laboring down. They did mm -hmm. allow me to labor down before pushing, but I never did feel the urge to push with any of my kids, mm -hmm. the ones, not even my middle kid, I didn't feel the urge to push. Part of that is probably that asynclitic baby. Mm -hmm. I was almost positive that my middle kid was, was posterior, but I think they said he must have flipped. I don't know that I believe yep. that. <laughs> my yeah. midwife told me that though, so I don't know if I believe it, but um, started pushing at about 11.15. I was really tired and again, not in very good shape after not being able to move for nine months. Um, yeah. So again, I asked for help. Feels so weak. Yeah, it, it was, yeah, very weak. Um, and I tried all of the things this time around because I knew all of the things. I knew how pushing felt and I knew how it worked. And I, I had seen, I want to say, 10 babies be born between my second and my third. And so I knew what worked and what didn't work. And um, it wasn't working. Doesn't it just make <laughs> no. you jealous for those people who push for like 10 minutes and yes. their babies are out? Yes, yeah, I'm always so jealous yeah. of them. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're perfectly positioned babies. Yeah, and, and you're perfectly <laughs> birthing body. Yeah, I'm doing inversions for yeah. four weeks and it doesn't help at all. Yeah, yeah. Um, when I asked for the vacuum or for help again, I didn't want forceps. I knew that uh, the vacuum had worked w really well the, the first time. The, there was a new OB on call. He came in. He's like, oh, yeah, she's a really good candidate for that. And then he left. The OB came in and gave my doctor permission to, to use the vacuum and then left. And so then my actual family practice doctor was able to, to, to utilize the vacuum in such a way that she was helping, not just yanking him out like starting a chainsaw. She, she helped guide him out while I was pushing. And so I was able to push him and feel him emerge and actually see him in the mirror that's mm. on the ceiling, which I thought was awesome. Like I didn't ask for a mirror because I knew I couldn't see it from the dead beetle position. <laughs> from right? your, your tummy. Yeah, right? Yeah. With my stomach up here. Like, <laughs> okay, I can't see anything. But the, the mirror that was lighting, that, like part of the light on the ceiling, I could see him come out and that was just the coolest thing ever. Mm -hmm. I do definitely remember he came out looking at the mirror so and he came out curled right and like came out towards me like face towards me and so i was holding him but he had a really short cord and there was some reason that my doctor was a little worried about him so she ended up cutting the cord and taking it and and they put him on the warmer right away i only held him for a few minutes but they got him breathing and he looked good and they gave him back to me so no episiotomy this time no episiotomy this time oh, good no and like one or two stitches yeah from some tearing so was your recovery up. probably the best with yeah. your third yeah which yeah. is nice with three kids yeah <laughs> yeah and it's because he ended up having some hypoglycemia issues because mm -hmm. how big was this one he was nine four or no he was nine three my two my last two were one ounce away from oh, okay I can't remember so that's why I said my my middle one, you know, he was over nine pounds at 41 weeks. Well, I was 38 and a half weeks and he was right. So he could have pounds. been, you know, 10 plus. Yeah, he would have been. And if I had watched my sugar intake a little bit, he probably would have been a little bit better off. Mm -hmm. And that I'm sure is what caused the hypoglycemia issues, mm -hmm. too. A lot of people don't realize that the sugar that you eat, if you have any sort of insulin resistance, that goes right to your baby and causes that large baby but it also can cause them to have blood sugar issues after mm -hmm. they're born and i'm sure that's what ended up happening with, right with my youngest um 
but we, I got, as soon as they were done, like they gave him to me really, really quickly. I just, I remember um, holding him. I, I held him for the first few minutes and then they brought him and put him on the warmer and my hands were just dripping in Vernix. Oh, it was, cheesy. He was the cheesiest baby I've ever seen, <laughs> especially for being over nine pounds. Right. And I'm just like, can I get a towel? Because I can't do anything with and my I hands. And I feel like that's usually an overdue baby thing, isn't it? No, the longer it's... they're in, the less they have. Okay, okay. Yeah. I was I was, I was wrong. backwards, yeah. I was backwards. Yep. The longer, like, I because, was an... because it's it's on and it doesn't get remade. Yeah. So if they're in there for a while, okay. it kind yeah. of goes yeah. away. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it looks so weird, but it's so good for their skin. Yeah, it's really good for their skin. Yep. Yeah, that it sure is. <laughs> so how did breastfeeding go with him? He he was good in the first day, the first day or so, but he was having the hypoglycemia issues. He was doing, they were checking his blood sugar. Um, he was pretty tired and he again had jaundice because it's, again, with the Gilbert yep. syndrome, my babies are more susceptible to it. Um, and so he was very sleepy. And so the next morning, his his levels still hadn't his blood sugar levels still hadn't recovered, and mm-hmm. he wasn't keeping them where they needed to be. And I noticed he had started kind of being jittery. Mm-hmm. So when they brought it up, I wasn't surprised. Um, but they ended up giving us the option to either supplement with formula or get him put on a glucose drip and then put in the NICU because you can you're either formula or NICU like those were my two options and I was like well, doesn't sound like not an option so right glucose drip in the NICU. neither of them are great options yeah neither are very good options so and it was I mean it's definitely it was a scare tactic yep not every, nobody wants their baby in the NICU but uh-huh. I was just in my head I was like well formula right now is not your journey isn't my journey yeah it's yeah. not the option that I want to go with and if and if you do supplement with formula, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to fix it. So mm-hmm. you might still end up in the NICU. Mm-hmm. So we opted for the NICU. I did forget to mention, however, that the night he was born, he was born at like 11.43, I think. He, uh, that was a, a night that there were tornado warnings all around the hospital. How lovely. Luckily, they didn't know that at the hospital, so we didn't have to hang out in the hallway. But it was storming, just storming like crazy that night. And after they got well after he was delivered we were waiting in the in the i was waiting in a wheelchair to go to the other to the postpartum room somebody came in to clean up the room and she's like what happened in here because i guess there was blood like above my head behind my head on the bed i don't i was like i don't know i do remember something spurting probably the cord it was the cord yeah that's so funny because this is totally off topic but it's just funny because my friend her son is six now, and when she gave birth, they didn't clamp the cord, and it squirted all <laughs> over the room, and there was tornado warnings, and they literally had to sit in the hallway. That is crazy. Yeah. yeah. How old is her son? He's, He's six. six. He'll be seven this year. Oh, yep, that's, that's yeah. funny. Not so, the same day, Not though. the same day, but that is funny <laughs> that because is fun. it's very similar. <clears throat> yep. So how long, I guess, did this breastfeeding journey persist persist for him when we finally got it figured out because he wasn't nursing initially in the in the NICU actually I should I should tell that story because that's a really important part of the journey is is being in the NICU um the at the time the NICU is one open room with curtains Mm -hmm. it was 80 degrees in there um they were giving him glucose gel 
sugar and water basically in his cheek for pain relief. Anytime he'd cry, all of that. Um, so I hadn't been released yet. I was still in my room that first, well, that it was the second night. Um, and they were supposed to call me and, and I was supposed to go and feed him. Well, by the time they called me, one of the times he was screaming and I went in there and it was probably the third time I had been in, in the NICU overnight feeding him. She, she looks at me, she's, she's holding my screaming baby and she's like, are you even making anything for him? <sighs> I didn't even, I didn't know what to say. I didn't say anything to her other than like, he's 36 hours old. It's colostrum. Right. It's not like, I don't know what. We don't need to be giving two ounces a a day old. Yeah. But I took him from her. And after she left and the next time I talked to someone, I'm like, you are not allowed to give any more sugar, water, glucose, gel, nothing, nothing by mouth unless it comes from me directly. Um, And I set a bunch of parameters for him and they could tell that I wasn't going to be an easy patient at this point, Mm -hmm. but also the NICU was full. They had no extra beds and they didn't need a nine and a half pound baby in their NICU. So right. they, they actually switched us to the PICU. Right. We got our own room. It was not 85 degrees in there. Uh, the, you know, I was able to stay next to him because prior to that, I was like, in well, a different room. I'm like, yeah. And yeah. I had been re- discharged. Mm-hmm. So I was going to sleep in the little chair next to his crib. Um, that was, that was a, a big thing was being able to be moved. And we still, we struggled a little bit because then he had the jaundice and they wanted him under Billy lights. And I relented, I consented to that because it's better to do it there than have to worry about doing it at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had to do Billy lights too. Yeah. But luckily the provider that we had was great. And yeah. she was like, take him out every two to three hours, feed yeah. him, put him back yeah. in. Yeah. When you have, when you deal with hypoglycemia, you have to have them do a blood draw before mm-hmm. he eats. And so we had to make sure like to watch those hunger cues. If he's hungry, it's like, okay, come and do it, come and do it. And the funny thing is, is after my first, I used a boppy pillow with him for six months. I couldn't go anywhere to feed him without a boppy <laughs> pillow. So with my second, I was like, I'm not going to depend on a boppy pillow. We're going to figure this out. My third, I was going to do the same. The only way that kid would eat was horizontal on a boppy pillow. So I ended up having to find someone's boppy pillow to borrow. Well, nowadays they have them in the hospital. Yeah, they have they, like the my breast yeah. friend, friend or whatever they're yeah, called. Yeah. yeah, I still do really hate horizontal baby positioning, but it worked for him. You know what he likes bit. it. That's that's yep. what you got to do. Yep. Eventually, <laughs> we got over that. We finally went home after I, we were in the same amount in the hospital in the NICU for the same amount of time as my oldest. Mm-hmm son because after the c-section right yeah, yeah. finally got him home had to do the the jaundice checks still for a few days and that kid went on to nurse again until after he was three i actually even still have i have pictures of him nursing as a three-year-old which oh, I great you can send them to me <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of boob in my we in my love boobs pictures. come on <laughs> i don't think i've actually ever shared any of those like those ones because I, my my girls are bigger than my kids heads and all of them oh i love it <laughs> all, that's so all funny yeah. i love it yeah but he yeah he's He's still my little adventure buddy too. That's, it's kind of nice. We were never planning on having that lone straggler and we ended up with him and I mean, he was planned, but the odd number. Yeah. The odd number. I never wanted that straggler because, because is he 10 or seven? Well, he's nine now. Nine. Yeah. And he's seven years younger than my oldest and five years younger than my middle kids. Yeah. There's a big, 
big gap, but it's fun. Let's, um, we'll just wind down. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll, I want you to just talk about you for a little sure. bit. Okay. And then we'll end. All right. Um, so let's talk about your business, what you do, let people know what you have to offer in our area yeah. and what you recommend and just anything. <laughs> I don't care. You can talk about tits. I don't care. Yeah, I, <laughs> I do talk I, about titties a lot. It's true. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm an IBCLC. I love what I do. Mm -hmm. I help families reach their breastfeeding goals. If breastfeeding is even part of your feeding plan, then I want to be a part of it if mm -hmm. I can help. Mm -hmm. If I can be supportive, then I want to be there. Um, I started looking at being an IBCLC back in 2017. It takes a few years to achieve. You've got to do uh, like a thousand hours of direct breastfeeding support. You've got to do 90 hours of direct breastfeeding education. Um, and there's a bunch of different, if you don't come in with a medical background, which I don't have, I actually have a photography degree. Hey, same. Know, well, right? not a degree, but I do. that's what I do. <laughs> and that's what you do. <laughs> same thing. You take more photos than I do with your photography experience. So, uh, but I didn't have all the classes I needed. So I had to go back to school. I was able to get everything done in 2019. So I signed up to take the exam on March 30th, 2020. Yep. <laughs> Everyone's probably doing the math. Yep. That's when the pandemic started. Yeah. I, I, I spent the months before that, starting in about December, treating studying as a full-time job for the exam. Because I, I had heard from people who were IBCLC and RN that it was harder than some of their nursing boards. And so I was treating it like a full-time job. By that time, my two older kids were in school and just ended up going to jumpstart because he had some speech therapy mm -hmm. that he needed to do. So I had a couple hours a day to myself and then I found some care and he went and saw grandparents and stuff. Um, but I was, it was a full-time studying job and I was, I, I was ready for that stupid test. March 13th. A I remember the exact weeks. Yeah, Friday the 13th. Yep. We're canceling your exam. We don't know when we're going to reschedule it. Is it in person? It, it is in person. Okay, so yeah, you, it's proctored in person. Yep. Mm. And, you know, at that time, they talk about the wind coming out of your sails. Yeah, I was just doldrums, like not moving anywhere because what am I going to do? So we, you know, re readjusted everything. My kids were home and I did get to take the exam finally in September of 2020. Still. Yeah, yeah. It's, it was a long time. We found out in July and it still had to be proctored. So they had to figure out a lot of things because you could either do it in person or virtually now. It's the first time they had ever offered it. There were so many things happening. So many people were going to their testing center and their testing center didn't know that they were even supposed to be there. Mm. Um, testing centers were closed randomly. Mm -hmm. So I had signed up to take it on September 22nd thinking, well, I could use the extra three weeks. I, I kept reading these stories because it was from September 1st to September 23rd that you could sign up. I was like, there's no way I'm going to get to September 22nd, have something happen and then and not, then be, not able be able to do it. Right. So I, at about like September 8th, I rescheduled it for September 11th and I got it done. That's, Took it that, in my that's another room. like doomed day know, though too. Right? It was the only one available, but yeah. I was like, I'm going to do it. And I did it. My kids went somewhere for the day and my husband went somewhere with the dog and took it and found out I passed not in December. That's yeah. how long they take to tell. Even my CLC test was like two months that I... Really? Because yeah. I have a CBS, the Certified Breastfeeding Specialist, mm -hmm. which is concurrently, they're both the same thing. Yeah. And I found out immediately. 
No, it took weeks. That's so well, did you do it in person? Mm-mm. We well, did. it was online, but it was like it was proctored online. Oh, okay. So like literally somebody was watching me through yep. the screen yep. and I like had to show them my like house. Yep. To like Same. make sure they didn't like just like didn't CLC. have wow. Yeah. And wow. it was like yeah. some of it was over the phone and then some of it was like videos and then there was like a hundred question multiple choice wow. test or that's whatever. definitely different than the cbs yeah, yeah. it was an intense yeah test is. yeah so yeah. like when people are like oh you're just i'm like no that was a hard test <laughs> <laughs> I'm like yep. i'm not an ibclc but it still was it's a hard test a hard t- yeah the tests and they're not easy and i'm glad to know that they proctor them the the cbs yeah. the certified breastfeeding specialist is not was not proctored and i was just able to do it self-paced as yeah well, which is why it took me a little bit longer to actually do it um but yeah, after I got my IBCLC, I found out in December that I passed. I was officially certified January 1st of 2021. Mm-hmm. I wanted to wait until I was fully vaccinated for COVID mm-hmm. before I could open. So I started working towards getting open. But at that time, it was still really hard for anyone who was not an educator or a healthcare professional. Yes, I am a healthcare professional, mm-hmm. but because I'm independent and I don't work for a hospital, I right. wasn't on a list. Right. Um, they were the only people who were able to get get vaccinated, so I was able to. I drove the DL where there was some extra spots, and I was able to get um, fully vaccinated and opened by March or May first. Mm-hmm. So May first of 2021 is how long I've been working and owning Northern Prairie Lactation Service. But also, you've had many of breastfeeding years yeah yeah and i feel like it does <clears throat> help a lot to have the experience under your belt yeah there well there's a huge difference too between an ibclc whose experience comes from peer-to-peer support like la leche league and someone who comes from a hospital setting there's lots of differences mm-hmm. we all have the same skill set at the base because that if we we wouldn't have passed the exam right. if that wasn't the case but um I definitely approach things a lot differently than someone mm-hmm. who was educated in the hospital system. My goal is to be face to face with my client for an hour to 90 minutes with every mm-hmm. visit. The first visit is always about 90 minutes. The second visits about 60 and mm-hmm. a lot of times a third visit isn't even necessary, but I love doing prenatal visits as well. Um, I find that when people do a prenatal visit, they are way more likely to only need one postpartum visit from me. Mm-hmm. And that's just a quick check-in. And then they're off and running and their breastfeeding journey is... Has and you're there if you ha- if they have questions. Yeah, they that's have That's like the biggest call. thing. Yes. I just feel like, you know, new moms, they don't know who to ask. No. Mm-mm. And you get so much different, you know, information from all different people in the hospital. Yeah. But it's so nice to have like that continuity yeah. of care of like one person, one opinion, yes. one thing. Yeah. So it stays... You know, they know your story. Yeah. You know know that, you know, their story and you work with them and it's not a different person every single day. And I just think that's great. Yeah. It's way easier to connect with someone who you've already connected with before. Yeah. Yeah. And so calling me during a prenatal period is fantastic. Mm -hmm. We'll get you, I'll get you all sorted out too. When you go to the hospital and you have the baby, then you'll be ready to go. You'll be good to go from the start. So let's drop your, your info here. What is your, you know, website, Instagram, all that contact stuff for right. you? It's super, my website's super easy, fargolactation.com. Okay. That, and same with any emails, jca at fargolactation, help at fargo, info at fargolactation. If you email fargolactation, you're going to 
it'll get to me somehow. And I'll put the stuff in the notes too, just oh, sure. for anybody. But you say it anyway. <laughs> yeah, right, right. And then all of my socials, I have Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. And if you want to see someone be super awkward, go watch my TikToks because I am the most awkward person on video. Um, it's all just at Northern Prairie Lactation. Yep. And I'll drop that as well, tag you in the Instagram post and whatnot. But otherwise, I think we're good. Unless you have anything else you want to <laughs> drop pretty, your name again. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you got all of my info. I got right all the information. So if anybody needs lactation help, please reach out to JC. She, you go like in home too yeah. and you know, yep. whatever. Most of my visits are in home. And I you, do have an office. that I You can. do um, like the, what do they call it? Where all the, the milk market or like where everybody meets. Oh, I do. I am part of Lactation Station. That. On spot. I'm like, yeah. there's so many different ones. Yeah, I'm yep. like, what are all the names of all of them? Yes. Yeah, we do a lact and weight clinic for on, okay. on spot. And that is also if you suspect your baby has a tongue tie. Um, that's what let's let's talk about that for okay. like two seconds. Okay, two seconds. If you suspect your baby has a tongue tie and you suspect your baby has a tongue tie because you're having sore nipples, mm. the first person you should be calling is a lactation consultant. Yes. Not, Not your a dentist, your pediatrician, Not a yeah. your chiropractor. Yeah. Talk to a lactation consultant because you're having a feeding issue. Yes. And if you talk to me, then I can send you where you need to go. I yes. can help you. I, I don't identify tongue ties, but I can tell you if I think there might be one. Right. I have a little extra training in tongue ties, so yes. But yeah, yes, if you go to OnSpot, we also do quick uh, checks. oral checks as well. Okay. Yep. Sweet. All right, I'm gonna let you go because okay. um, this this will be a long one, you guys. You better be you better be on a road trip listening to this one. So maybe just plan it in, yeah. in increments. But thank you so much for joining me. Oh, this is fun. Thanks for you know <laughs> wanting to talk to me. Oh, always. <laughs>